Well, it's good to be back. If uh, I was I was gone for a couple weeks, I spent a little time suffering in uh, California on the beach. So I made it back all right, as you can see. So just in time for the um, for the the winter. So I'm excited. It's my first winter. So there should be a there should be a picture. There we go. All right. So I want you to take a look at this picture. It's pretty impressive. So my wife comes to me and she says, Brian, I learned this new Japanese folding technique. And she goes and she said, I took my whole wardrobe and it now fits into, into my, uh, my closet here. And I'm like, wow. Now, it's quite impressive. But as you look at it, you really don't know if it's a shirt, if it's, a pant, if it's pants, if it's a jacket. Like, what is it? I mean, it's beautiful, it's, it's very well done, but in order to know what it is, you must unfold it first. And that's the same thing as we look into Scripture. We must unfold Scripture to get the bigger story. And as we unfold it, we kind of understand it a little bit more, and we go, wow, um, this was speaking more than I thought it ever could. And oftentimes, that really applies to Christmas time, because we think Christmas started in the manger. But as we unfold scripture, we realize that it started in Genesis. Christmas started in Genesis. The promise of Christmas started in Genesis. And what I want to do today is I want to look at how that promise of Christmas was ratified today. And we've been in this um, Advent series called Anticipation. And we look in the Old Testament and we see that there's a lot of anticipation for the coming Messiah. And today we're going to look how that promise was ratified in a message called Offspring of Abraham. And in Genesis, we're introduced to Abraham. Abraham's not a special guy. He's an elderly guy. He's 75 years old. He's got no kids. And yet God makes radical promises to Abraham. And in isolation, when we look at these promises that are made to Abraham, it looks like they would only apply to uh, one, one group of people at a certain particular time in history. But yet, as we unfold it, we see that this is a bigger promise and that it's fulfilled in Christ. And today what I want to do is I want to show how God's love and faithfulness, how he is very lo loving and faithful to us and connect our story to Abraham's story under the larger Christmas story. And just discuss how in that reality, as we make those connections, we find true hope, peace, and joy. And so if you're not there, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 17. And what we're going to do is we're going to cover three things. We're going to look at the promise of Christmas, the confirmation of Christmas, and how Christmas was fulfilled and bridged that Old Testament, New Testament gap. So let me go ahead and pray for us. Father... I pray you'd be with us. I pray your spirit would go before us, reveal your word to us, teach us what we don't know, reveal to us what we don't know. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you would be present with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a little disclaimer here. We're going to do a 30,000-foot view of this, this particular passage. It's quite ambitious. We're trying to bridge the gap from Genesis basically to Revelation in a matter of 20 minutes. So there's not, not, you know, small, small, no easy. So it's going to be, I'm going to give you tidbits. We could dig deep into this for weeks, months, years, a lifetime. 
So the first thing I want to look at is Christmas promised. And we're actually going to look at Genesis 17, 6 through 8 first, and then kind of go backwards. So we read, this is God speaking, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So we see in Genesis 17, God is making promises to Abraham, but these promises have um, their roots in prior chapters in Genesis. In Genesis 12, this is where God initially calls Abraham. Abraham's living in uh, Mesopotamia in a, plant, a place called Ur. I like that name. I don't know why, but Ur. And he's 75 years old, and God calls him and says, go to this land that you've never been to. Just go. And he goes, okay. And he says, all peoples, this is God, he says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham's got to sit there and go, okay, God comes to me. I don't have any sort of religious pedigree. He just comes to me and he tells me to go. So I'm going to listen to him. I'm faithful. I'm going to go. And he tells me that everyone in the entire world is going to be blessed through me. This makes no sense because I have no kids and I'm an elderly guy. My life is, you know, in the twilight years. And then we see in Genesis 15, God appears to Abraham. So some time has passed and God appears to Abraham, and despite him being childless and elderly, God confirms that he will, in fact, have offspring. And at this time, God does something different. He makes a covenant with Abraham. Now, this is huge here. He makes a covenant with Abraham. Now, making a covenant back then was, a, was serious stuff. And the way they would make a covenant is they would take animals, and they would cut them in half, they would separate the two sides, and both parties would walk through those cut animals. And what that was supposed to signify was the seriousness of the covenant, that each person of that covenant had a responsibility to uphold it. And if they didn't, there were grave consequences for not fulfilling their end of that covenant. Yet God does something interesting here. Because Abraham doesn't walk through with God. God walks through it alone. And it's at that very moment that Christmas was promised. It was confirmed. It was ratified. Because what God is saying here is he's saying, you know what, Abraham? You're not going to be able to fulfill your end of the bargain to get this blessing. It's not going to happen. So I will fulfill both ends of this. And when he did that, when he walked through that covenant, that, that, that highway, if you will, he promised he, that he would be a sacrifice, that he would be born and that he would have to die because Abraham would not be able to keep his end of the covenant. And Christmas was promised. It was ratified at that very moment. And here's the thing. You know, I think about Christmas. I've made a lot of promises during Christmas. And being in the military, you make promises and you can't keep them. You know, there's been many times where I've told my kids, oh, don't worry, I'm not leaving. I'll be here for Christmas. And I'm not there. And that's happened years and years. I was reflecting on that, actually. This is probably the first time I've actually been in my own home in Christmas for like two decades. So it's something new for me. And I've made these promises, and I've broken promises. And here's the thing. The Christmas story is about God making and fulfilling radical promises to us. 
And the most radical promise that he makes is the good news of the gospel. Think about how radical this is. We are fallen. We have sinned. God created the world, and in Genesis 131, he says, it was good. No, it was very good. It was perfect. But sin enters in the world. We sin. And there's a problem. We're separated between us and God. There's a separation. Yet God makes this covenant with Abraham. And he comes in to our world. Our world that becomes a human being is born in the manger, lives a perfect life, and dies on a cross. But then he's resurrected. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we too become resurrected, new creations in him. And we're destined to be with him forever. But that's not the end of the story because one day he will come back and he's renewing this world. And we have a hand in that. That's an exciting story. That's a radical promise that he makes. But God is a God who is faithful and fulfills radical promises. And if, I pray if you don't know the good news that you'd come see us. We'd love to talk to you about that. So that's the first thing. Christmas was promised and ratified a long time ago. Next thing we see is Christmas was confirmed. So we're going to jump back a few verses in Genesis. Genesis 17, 1 through 5, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and blamelessly. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You'll be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So what's going on here? We're looking at just Genesis 17, and we've already talked about God made an oath in Genesis 12. He made a covenant in Genesis 15. And it looks like this is just a reiteration of the promises made to Abraham. Why is God doing this? Because something happened in Genesis 16. Abraham needed confirmation. So 13 years earlier in Genesis 16, if you, you could read that later on, I encourage you to. Abraham is 86 years old. He's getting a little antsy. He's saying, God, you're telling me that um, all these, like I'm going to get all these people, I'm going to get this land, I'm going to have all these descendants, yet nothing's happening. And he's getting a little antsy. Think about it. Abraham's a normal guy. He's, he's a faithful man, but he's a normal guy. He's not... He's not the superhuman. He's 86 years old. And he's being told that all nations will be blessed through him. And he's going, all right, it's not happened yet. So his wife, Sarah, comes to him and says, listen, I have a slave named Hagar. Why don't you go ahead and have a kid with her? And he goes, okay. And he does it. And he has Ishmael. And then... His wife, Sarah, gets jealous, and there's an incident that happens, and he says, well, deal with her the way you want to deal with her, and they cast her out. My point is this. Abraham, although he's faithful, he trips, he falls, he has issues. He's lied before. If you look at Genesis, he lies about his wife when he goes to Egypt, says that, he's, it's, that it's his sister. He's a normal guy. He has normal problems. He stumbles in a normal way. But this time, he goes a little out in front of God's promise. I mean, think about it. We read in here he's 99 years old. It's almost a quarter of a century after God initially calls him and makes this promise to him. 
That's a long time. So Abraham gets impatient. So what does God do? God comes to him and he says something to him. He says, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. That's an interesting name for God. It means the God who powerfully intervenes. He's saying, I am the God who powerfully intervenes. Yes, you're 99 years old. Yes, I know that. But I am the creator God. I powerfully intervene. I am the faithful God. I will intervene because I said that. And I cannot lie. It is against my very nature. I will, I will intervene powerfully. And then he says, walk before me faithful, faithfully and blamelessly. He's telling Abraham, I am God. I can do anything. I will intervene powerfully. Be who I've called you to be. I've called you to be something. Be who I've called you to be. Surrender everything under my lordship and show people what it's like to have a faithful relationship with me. That's what he's telling them to do. And so what does Abraham, how does he respond? Abraham falls face down. He gets down, he face down. He understands his unworthiness of this, this whole thing. Like God is faithful to him, why? And he's humbled by it. And then God does something very interesting. He says, no longer will you be called Abram. So he, his given name is Abram, which translated means exalted father, which must have been a reproach on him his whole life. I'm called exalted father and I have one illegitimate kid. That's, I'm exalted father. And God says, your name will be Abraham, which translated means the father of a multitude of nations. He's telling a 99-year-old man that he will be a father of a multitude of nations. And by God renaming Abram to Abraham, what he's telling him is he's saying, I have lordship over you and you are my chosen servant. I have chosen you and I will fulfill this. As I mentioned before, I just, uh, I just got back from California and it was kind of, it was kind of strange because we stayed at um, a little beach cottage on the military base. So being a, a, being a retired Marine, you know, I'm able to get these, these beach cottages and no, you can't go. It's too far. If you are out there, you can come out now. It's, so we go out there, but I'm sitting on a base, and I'm, I'm, I'm having these memories of what it's like to surf for 20 years. And there's some good memories, but there's also some bad memories. And I'm thinking about the different relatives that I'm coming in contact with, and I'm thinking about all of the, the failures I've had. I, mean, I don't also put it failures, relational failures. And I don't know if it's this time of year, but it seems like that just is intensified. Like the failures of the past just seem to be intensified now, and I don't know why. And so I'm feeling this. I'm feeling discouraged. I'm reminded of my disobedience when I go back and my impatience of God. I don't know how many times I've ran in front of God and paid the price. And as we read this, we realize that when we talk to God in disobedience, discouragement, and impatience, God speaks to us in grace, affirmation, and faithfulness. He reminds us that he is God Almighty and will powerfully intervene. He reminds us that he has renamed us his children and new creations in Christ. And we see that the Christmas story is about God's grace and our response to that grace. We don't earn it, but we respond to it. 
And grace makes no sense in our culture. It makes no sense. Because it's all trans, we're, we're all about transactions. Quid pro quo. You do for me, I do for you. And we, that makes sense to us, right? Someone does something nice for you, gives you a gift, and you, you haven't gotten them one, what do you do? Come on. You go, oh man, I didn't get him a gift, now I have to get him a gift. And you gotta go get it. And you're like, all right, I'll go do this. Someone does something nice for you, you're like, oh, I owe you. And so God comes and he says, I give you my grace, my unmerited favor, no matter what you do. Here's my grace to you. And how do I respond? How are we to respond? Like Abraham. Just be overwhelmed by who God is and fall face down in humble praise and adoration and just think about this. You know, it's usually at this time or when I go through my sermons, I give you like a practical application of this. Like, hey, go ahead and you should read your Bible more or whatever. You're like, that's always going to be the answer. Love Jesus and read your Bible, by the way. Like, that's going to be every sermon. So let's just get it out of the way. But this one, here's the thing. There's no practical application here because it's about the heart. It's about seeing God and who he is and who you are in front of God. He is God Almighty. El Shaddai, he powerfully intervenes. And you're in this room because he's powerfully intervened in your life. And he will powerfully intervene. And he's made promises to you. And all we could do is just get on our knees and praise and thank him for who he is. No matter what we're at and no matter what we're going through. That's a condition of the heart. So, it was confirmed. That, that Christmas was confirmed. Finally, we see Christmas is fulfilled. And we gotta, we got to jump to Galatians. Galatians 3.16. And we see Galatians 3.16. It says, The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person in Christ. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, if you take the promises that were made to Abraham, they were fulfilled in one person, and that person was Jesus Christ. And this was confirmed. This was confirmed in the, the, the birth narrative. If we go to Luke, we see the, the narrative of these shepherds. And these angels come to the shepherds in. And Luke 2, verses 8, he says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So Paul says, listen, here's the deal. Christ fulfilled that covenant that God made with Abraham. Christ is it. He fulfills it all. All nations are blessed through Christ, through the seed of Abraham. And we see that is confirmed here in Luke great joy for all people. And so we ask, how will all peoples on earth be blessed in Christ? What is this good news that will cause great joy for all people? Here we go. It's reconciliation with God. It's reconciliation with God. We talk about peace. We talk about joy. But you can't have peace and joy unless you have peace and joy with God first. 
And when we put our faith in Christ, we enter into this promise as Abraham's spiritual offspring in Christ, which was fulfilled by entering into our world. Not by walking through a sacrifice, but becoming the sacrifice. That's how Christmas was fulfilled. Now, Christmas is about gifts. I know you're going to be like, what? It's about gifts. I mean, people buy gifts for people. It's a time of celebration. And there's some gifts that just take your breath away. I don't know if you've ever gotten a gift and you're just like, oh my gosh, that is just way too big. Or maybe you're expecting one. I don't want to put any pressure on anyone here, but... Here's the thing. God has given us a gift. A gift that just takes our breath away. The gift of himself. The gift of Christ. And here's the thing. We're called to give that gift to everyone. To all nations. To all peoples. To say, hey, this is the gift of Christ. This is, you want peace? You want joy? Here you go. It starts with peace and joy with God. It's this Christ, this baby that was born in the manger that was God in the flesh. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, okay, that's good news, I got it. But what's all this covenant stuff? Why, all, why this whole big long covenant with Abraham and I get the Christ thing, but I don't get it. What's, why? Why doesn't God just show up and just do what he's got to do and that's it? Why tie this back all the way to the Old Testament? Why did God do that? Why did it take so many thousands of years? And I really wrestled with this. The thing is, you can't appreciate the lengths in which someone loves you unless you know what they went through to secure your affection. You, you, you need to know what they went through. When someone goes through something and they sacrifice themselves and they go through this great lengths, you're like, wow, they really love me. Because they're revealing their heart for you. They're revealing who they are. And here's the thing. God does that with this covenant and fulfilling it in Christ over these thousands of years. God wants you to understand that when he made that covenant with Abraham, he had you in mind. He had you in mind. When he, when he shown himself to Abraham and walked through that, that, that made that covenant with Abraham, he was thinking of you. Thousands of years ago. He altered the history of the world for you. So that you could know him. So that you could love him. So that you could marvel in his mystery. In Christ, we see that the Christmas story is our story. We're weaved into the Christmas story through these promises, through these covenants. It's quite amazing. I have to ask you, is this your story? If it's not your story, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to talk to you about this good news, this joy. If it is your story, enjoy your gift. Take some time and just enjoy it. Relish it. It was promised long ago for you. And it was bought with a price. So love the person who bought you with the price. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for thinking of us so long ago. This, this is so rich and so deep. And as we unfold this, we just see that your grace and your love 
just keep going on and on and on, and we will never be able to fully unfold it and comprehend it as finite human beings. And that's the good news, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that every single day from now into eternity that we will experience joy and peace and just know more and more about you every single day. So we thank you for that. I pray for us this season as we walk through, as we end this final week of celebrating your first coming, your first advent, that we would remember that you are coming back again and live in the joy that we serve an active king who will one day sit on his throne. So we love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.